I'm an alcoholic and my problem is Vic. Um, my experience, I started drinking when I was 14, um, but my problems were started before that. I grew up in a family um, where drinking was expected, condoned, as well as drugs. Um, I had the same parents as everybody else. They didn't have a handbook, but they loved me um, as best as they could. Um, when I started drinking, I can't remember my first drink or drunk. Um, I don't, I was never a blackout person. It just was so ins insignificant at the time because I knew I was going to do it again, that it wasn't like, oh my God, this happened. It was just like, oh yeah, it was just like a normal progression of my life. Um, as I got older, like I noticed, you know, I was, I was drinking way more than my friends, longer than my friends. And before I was 17, I was a daily drinker. Um, in the mornings before I went to school, when I got out of school. Um, and at this point, I was just drinking beer, but it doesn't matter. I, I was a daily drinker by the time I was 17. Um, I went through major loss. Uh, my cousin and my one of my best friends died in a car accident when I was 19. Um, and the night before they passed, I was like, we got into an argument. They're like, you're drunk all the time, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I hope you guys fucking die. And then they did. And after that, there's like, I was doing everything and anything. I didn't believe in God. I thought God couldn't exist for taking away young kids, um, for having the upbringing that I had. I just didn't believe that there was a kind and loving thing out there looking after me. Um, and so I continued on throughout my 20s, um, taking, taking everything that I could, stealing, lying, um, manipulating, um, not living my truth at all. Um, and as I continued to do that, I started getting the repercussions that happen um, to a lot of alcoholics or addicts. Um, I ended up in jail a bunch of times. I remember I got I got a serious charge uh, for domestic violence, and my biggest fear was that they're going to put me in a drug and alcohol program, and I'm not going to be able to drink. And that's all I thought about. And I thought they said, "Well, they'll give you a hundred days or whatever." And I was like, "I'll just do the days because there's going to be no way that I can't drink for six months. Like that's just not going to happen. That's I don't want to." And at this point, I was unable to be honest with myself that I was an alcoholic. I knew that I was an alcoholic, but I couldn't say it. I couldn't admit it. I just thought it was like, I'm a partier. That's just who I am. You know, that's just how my family is. That's just how we are. We're Irish. <laughs> you know, all the, all the things that I, you tell yourself, I told myself. Um, I don't know what happened, but that charge was dropped and I continued in my alcoholism. When COVID hit... I lost my mind, I think, like a lot of other people. And when I started thinking that stores were going to close, I mean, I went out into Oakland with a firearm and was stealing things, going into stores with a gun in my waist. I remember I went into a Target and I was like, nobody better. I hope somebody stops me. I hope somebody says something looking for it. 
And uh, I stole board games. Like just, I was just crazy. Just like, just like insane. I can't explain what I was going through and nobody stopped me. Thank God. Um, and then at that point with COVID weighing on my mental health and with me still in my addiction, super deep, um, I attempted to get sober. And I remember telling my mom, I need to go to rehab. And she was crying, but it was like, everybody knew. It's just like, I had to be the person to pull the trigger. And the only reason that I did that was I wanted to cut down on my drinking. I didn't want to stop. And I did it because I knew that I was going to end up in prison. I knew that if I didn't do something, um, if I didn't intervene in what I was doing, that I was going to get prison time or I was going to kill somebody or I was going to kill myself. Um, so I went to rehab and then I went to sober living and in sober living, I decided to control my drinking. I thought, oh, well, you know, if I go to Joshua Tree and have a beer, it's not a big deal. And then seven days later, I'm drinking Royal Gate vodka in a parking lot of a 7-Eleven. <laughs> and uh it scared me i was so scared and i was like fuck i'm really a fucking alcoholic like i i always knew i always knew i had a problem but just like i really could not stop this time my disease had progressed to the point where after my first drink i cannot stop i had that allergic reaction and uh i thought fuck so I didn't say anything and I let my drinking get worse. And then eventually I was caught by my sober living and I was kicked out and sent home and home was with my mother and her husband. And I lied there saying I wasn't drinking and I went back into IRP and on and off. I'm not drinking. I am. I'm not drinking. I am. And then finally, after like my fifth relapse in IRP, they were like, you need to try to go to rehab again. And I was like, what's, what's the fucking point of that? Like, why would I go to rehab if it didn't work for me the first time? I wasn't cured there. You know, like I didn't come out cured. So why would I pay to go again? That's crazy. And uh, the week before I was getting ready to go, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go nuts. Like, do all the things have all the breakdowns. And I remember I had this really bad argument with my family, just pretty much about the bottom line. Like, we're not going to fucking be around and watch you kill yourself. If we have to cut you out of our lives, that's what it is. This is the first time I was hearing this type of talk. And I kept thinking, you guys are fucking alcoholics and drug addicts. I'm not the crazy one. <laughs> you guys are the crazy people and blaming them for my problems. Well, you, you didn't have the childhood I had. You guys didn't love me enough. You guys didn't give me enough you guys weren't there for me enough you don't understand what I went through and my sister called me and she was like when are you gonna grow up when are you gonna realize that your childhood happened but that you can't keep blaming people for it and keep hurting yourself over it and I thought at the time I was like geez fucking crazy like wow like that's real fucked up how's she gonna say that to me that's my childhood I'm I have trauma <laughs> I'm different I'm unique. I have trauma. And uh, I called a woman when I was wasted and I had met this person. It was kind of like a God shot. I had met this person at a sober gathering, um, Stern Grove over the summer. And I don't know what made me call her. She definitely, I didn't know her. 
I just knew that like something in me, and now I believe it's God, something in me was like, call this person. And I did. And I can't remember the conversation, but I'm sure it was pretty insane. And then I remember her calling me back and calling me back and not answering and just, I'm just on my shit right now. And she texts me, she texts me, why aren't you accepting this love that I'm trying to give you? And I think I cried <laughs> a lot. So I went to rehab and this person said, I'm not your sponsor yet. You're, you're half a sponsee, you're 0.5. <laughs> And so I go to rehab and I'm listening this time. And I'm just like, I have that desperation that this needs to work. This has to work because I don't want to die. And I remember thinking, I'm either going to be an alcoholic or I'm going to be an AA freak. And then I remember thinking, AA freak doesn't sound too bad compared to what I was doing. That sounds like a gift. And something changed. I don't know. I wouldn't call it an abrupt, a spiritual awakening, but I just remember thinking, God, God's out there. And if I accept this help, then I'm not alone. And if I ask for his guidance, I don't have to carry all this weight of responsibility because he'll guide me to what I need to do. Um, I don't hear a literal voice or anything like that. It's just trusting that my internal ethics, once they're reset, are good, and that my intention is good. And uh, ever since then, it's AA every day. Um, I'm riding this ride with you guys, and I couldn't be more thankful. Um, it's amazing. I'm not terminally unique. Uh, I'm not the only one with trauma. And uh, somebody said something today that kind of stuck with me in an earlier meeting. They said, three things you have to do in this program. Have God or your higher power, clean house, and help others. And when he broke it down that way, I was just like, shit. So every day it's the gift that keeps on giving. And um, I just appreciate you guys for having me here. It's awesome. And thank you for letting me share. My name is Matt, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, Vic, thanks for the open. That was fantastic. Um, shout out to um, Stephanie, Jasmine, Dan. Those days, 9 through 13. I remember I was in uh, rehab during those days. Those days are tough. Uh, I feel like I was just getting my feelings back at that time. And they were like, they were intense as hell. Um, so... Thank you for being here. Thank you for courageously um, uh, putting your hand up. Josh, congrats on 74 days. I feel like day, day like 63, I had um, a great Saturday morning. And those like, I feel like day one through 30 is like, you're just hanging on to your ass. And day one through 60, it's like a gradual, at least this, you know, I'm, I'm only speaking for me. Um, but those first couple of days you have, they're like, oh, this is a, good day in comparison to when you were at your worst um yeah i remember that time um yeah again my name is matt i'm an alcoholic um 
I'll just, hey, I'll, I'll do my best to, to ramble and uh, uh, fill your time on this uh, Saturday uh, night. Um, I feel like the toughest thing for me uh, might have been just try to, trying to get time. Um, as mentioned, I was in rehab uh, for, it was a 28-day rehab, 14 days inpatient. I, was in, I went to MPI. Uh, for MPI here in Oakland, Merritt Peralta Institute. It was a 14-day inpatient uh, and then 14-day outpatient, so 28 days uh, total. But before that, I feel like I was, I wanted to stop. I had even been to AA maybe once a year for like five years in my uh, mid to later 30s. Uh, when I was really desperate, I came to AA. I sought out this one guy from my hometown, um, that I knew was sober and those on those very, very big hangover days where you just want to fucking kill yourself. Um, it was probably a night before it was probably like alcohol plus, uh, something else like plus Coke plus whatever that Coke was tough. Um, that Coke created insane ass hangovers, but on those days where I felt super desperate, I had gone to, uh, with, uh, my man named, uh, Travis, um, to AA. He 12 stepped me. I didn't know at the time he 12 stepped me, took me to a meeting. Um, and we went, I did not feel like I was one of you guys at that time. I went to again, four or five of those shit. I even shared, um, uh, because I was, I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to sound smart in front of a group. Uh, so I think of my one of first or second of my, uh, meetings it was uh, at rockridge and i shared I, I was trying to be funny and i was like yeah i i don't consider my i don't know if i'm an alcoholic but i, I consider myself an escape artist and i really did uh, i didn't i did not that the term alcoholic to me was not me um i considered myself an escape artist um but it and so I, I didn't really think I was one of you. Um, I kind of listened, but I didn't. I did not want to stop drinking or stop using. Um, only in, and I'm going to jump around a while uh, or for this thing, um, only in rehab where at MPI again, they give you, they don't take you through the steps, but MPI, and I feel like a lot of rehabs are very 12 step oriented. So they had you like write all your stuff down. Sally was my counselor and, um, we did this inventory of just all the drugs you've done, write them out. And I wanted to do, um, after I committed to rehab, um, I, I, I was like, all right. My life kind of sucks, so I want to do this right. So I wrote down, I took four or five days, and again, with the backdrop of being a perfectionist, like probably many of you are, I want to do this right. When I say it to people, you know, I want to sound great. Um, but whether it was great or not, it was a thorough and searching um, kind of glimpse at my past. And before that, before I, I had written it all out, as just a random task at a, at a rehab. Uh, I didn't know the extent of alcohol in my life. And after just writing that shit down, it was like, wow, like I hadn't thought about this this way before, like alcohol and drugs and, and uh, pleasure seeking and through alcohol and drugs and, and chemicals is a very big part of my life. Like it seems to be like part of every single thing. Uh, and that was a, that was a stark thing. Um, 
like leading up to that point, uh, I'm 40, I'll be 41 here in uh, uh, January, um, entered rehab, uh, ended my 37th year, I turned uh, uh, 38 in uh, at MPI, spent Christmas Eve there, spent Christmas Day there, spent New Year's Eve and Day there in rehab um but leading up to that like my childhood was it was great except for a few things uh one just always to me like the overactive mind uh i was always scared uh i always had somebody there i have an identical twin brother uh, i don't think he's one of us maybe he is maybe his problem is yet to whatever but I was never really alone, but when I was, I was terrified. I was, I was scared of being like kidnapped. I was scared of like aliens coming to get me. I was scared of like everything as a child and into my adulthood. I still have a ton of, excuse me, a ton of fear, very overactive imagination, very emotional. Um, things were, things were highs, things were lows. It was never like a balanced thing. Um, mix that with uh, a dad who was a screamer. Uh, myself and my brother were goddamn son of a bitches, uh, and my dad just went from zero to scream and punish like in no time. Uh, my mom was a fixer, so it was we go to her, your problem is solved. Uh, so from like, and I I shared earlier this week. I feel like I've been. Uh, um, you know, I started drinking at 14. I started, uh, I, I, who knows when the flip switch to become an alcoholic. I drank for a long ass time, but I've been a, a member of a, of a witness to semi-dysfunctional family behavior for the entire thing. So the life on life's terms part after you get sober, like that's the kind of work that still kind of uh, uh, skins my knees today. Um, that is the like, that's like, all right, so what are you going to do now? How, what kind of life do you want to live now? So the, the family life growing up was great. Everything was provided for, but it was like walking on eggshells around dad. Um, Semi-enabler mom. She was, again, she was just a big, she was, she was fantastic. Great. Um, but I feel like if we just whined as much as we could, we would get something. Or if we just hid from dad, we would uh, get something. So my first social drink in high school felt like with all that fear and all that kind of background, uh, my first drink felt like liberating. Um, I felt free. Uh, I could talk to people. I could be funny. I didn't really care if they were going to judge me. It felt like all of that was just washed away. It was, it was fucking magical. Um, like in my mid twenties in my, my early thirties, when I was, um, you know, everybody's got anxiety, depression to an extent. You're, you're human. That's part of the, that's part of the package. Um, but I would always pine in my like mid to late twenties and thirties, man, I wish I could go back to how it was simply because that first taste, that first experience was so good. Um, later in, in those mid mid to late twenties, I had my first uh, one milligram pill of Xanax. And that was kind of equal to that uh that drink i remember i took that pill maybe five to seven minutes later and it's like i'm floating on a cloud it's like my problems are in that cloud they're up there they're, they're still there 
but I could, I was at ease. I, I felt free. I felt liberated. I remember uh, saying to myself, I want, I want it to be like this forever. Like if only it could be like this forever. Oh yeah, shit. All you got to do is have enough uh, uh, prescription to last, to last the uh, way through. Um, so I loved alcohol. I loved uh, benzos, uh, Xanax and Clonopins and the Valiums. Um, I got into, I knew I was having problems. This, this is just kind of listing off stuff that I, that I was hung up with. I got into weed late. I never really liked weed when I was younger. And then a- after I was trying to stop drinking, oh, let's just do weed. I was a three-and-a-half-year um, perma-high semi-pothead, went from not knowing really anything to rolling my own joints, rolled nice joints, too. Um, but all the while, not liking, not knowing any other way to gain, like, happiness and not really going anywhere and not really doing anything. Um, it's, I, I feel like one of the things in uh, AA or when you come in and your fear of that is, like, you feel like there's this romance with uh, alcohol. You feel like there's this romance with, with substances. Um, and that was hard to, that, that was one of the things that kept me from jumping in. Cause like, what are you going to do? Like, how can I have fun when uh, this kind of world that I built around myself with, and it was more just thoughts than anything of going to substances to try to live that kind of Heidi um, secretive life. Um, that kept me from stopping. Fast forward to, I did geos. So for the newcomers, geos are you kind of like, just pick up your life, move somewhere else. Not going great here. Let's go there. I, I um, lived in LA after college. I went to DC for two years. Shit, I lived in Singapore from this. Uh, I was trying to help my buddy with a startup um, and quit from place to place to place. When things got hairy, pull up and quit. Um, and all the while, kind of increasing, not only thinking, not really knowing what's going on, um, but not really, again, not really doing anything. Uh, only by, again, only by in, taking all this inventory, uh, steps four and five, um, uh, when you do the 12 steps, uh, did I really think about my part in this? Um, got married. Um, my wife came to find out in um, MPI, they had family days on, on Saturdays and the families come in. They did, uh, I was in there for four Saturdays. Uh, two Saturdays were alcoholism, but two were codependency and the whole family thing. So um, that's when we kind of had to clean our side of the street because our relationship was the prototypical, like, you know, bringing this in from before I drank, the, the family behavior, the codependent relationship. Um, you know, I am the problem that she needs to be solved and she is the huge enabler. I, our, our last days of um, my drinking were very bad. And I like, I... She was the one who was in the way of my drinking. Um, so I, I was never violent with her, but I like verbally like just gave her so much shit and it would be increasing fights, increasing fights, increasing fights as the uh, time that I spent. Um, and again, it, it was so weird because I wasn't a like 
daily drinker. I didn't, I didn't wake up every day, uh, hit my vodka and stay perma drunk the whole day. But I saw myself slowly go from, all right, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, the, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night to we're going on Wednesday night to, to Saturday night to we're going, Hey, it's a Monday night. And you, you know, we, I just need to relax. So whatever. Um, so the, the, it is a progressive disease started creeping in and the crunchiness with the wife got, uh, got tougher and it just became a miserable thing. Um, she was, uh, she was kind of my co-conspirator in this too. Um, she, you know, we participated in drinking and drugging together. She is not an addict like, like we are though. Um, but it's the, you know, AA deals with a lot of things, but as we step back, like relationships and behavior and that family stuff, uh, sinks in a lot. Um, my life got increasingly smaller. Um, I remember my brother and uh, my Best friend from college called me on three-way dialing. I, it was probably like um, um, maybe six months before I got sober. They were just calling it to say, hey, what's up? We haven't talked in a while. And I remember like hearing myself be like just miserable, telling them I was miserable and not kind of wanting to feel happy, and but not knowing really what to do, um, not knowing how to be happy uh, and just feeling like shit. Um, and I felt like I, I just didn't have control over it. The, one of the big things that happened was uh, compulsion. Um, it was July 4th of 2018. Um, that was July 4th fell on that Wednesday. I had Tuesday off from work. I had Thursday off from work. And then, so that was a three-day span. My wife went with her parents to uh, camping or something like that. Uh, so I was basically alone. Um in that time, I forget what day it was, you know, uh, uh, Tuesday was great. And then 4th of July came. So I was, of course, hungover and didn't want to drink that day. Um, you know, uh, I felt shitty. I felt hungover, like physically, you know, your stomach hurts, all that kind of stuff. So physically feeling like, nah, I don't want to do this. But kind of compulsively thinking like, all right, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta go get something. So got into my car and all the while, like telling myself, like in my head, like, Hey, you know, you, you don't have to do this. And all the while it's, um, like 10 45 in the morning. Uh, it's, it's like 11 in the morning as I t tell myself, Hey, what are you doing? At, you know, questioning, like, well, why are you doing this? Like hearing myself say that as I just drive to Safeway, get out, go to the wine aisle. Uh, initially I was going to buy one, uh, but I, I bought two, uh, two bottles, um, Came back home, you know, put them on the, you know, you're, you're, when you're alone, you're kind of just a witness to your own self and, and there's, it's only you and what you hear in your head. Put my two bottles out and like, Hey, you don't have to do this. You don't, as, as I was like reaching my hand out, uncorking it. And I was increasingly saying, Hey Matt, what, what are you doing? This is crazy. What are you doing? Uncorked it, poured a drink, slammed it down, and then got after it. And it was a just sloppy, like, bad day of compulsive drinking. I probably, I think I passed out and then woke up 
at like two thirty, and then probably started drinking at four. But that compulsion, but that trying to override that compulsion and not be able to do that when you know I consider myself a uh, capable person. You know, I have, I have accolades. I have. Um, I consider myself a smart person, but but then dealing with something that you feel like is out of your hands and like you're just kind of on autopilot, but seeing yourself kind of on autopilot, that was something that was stark. That had not happened uh, uh, before. Um, you know, fast forward, like you guys know the drill, fast forward to lies, to um, um, all this stuff. Um, I worked for a tech company for a different company that when I got sober at, um, took a trip to uh, Vegas. It was uh, a the AWS uh, Summit. It's a big, uh, big tech thing. Um, and I basically used that time to hide from my coworkers uh, and to get hammered. Uh, I would stay out um, super late again, like compulsively so. I didn't want to drink, but then it turned into, you know, one of those nights when you just get, like you, you think you can drink forever? It was like probably like thirteen drinks. I'm a, a big guy anyway. Um, uh, but uh, ended up um, uh, being unfaithful to my wife, having unprotected sex, uh, and coming home not really thinking I was in control. Like it, it was way out of my hands. And then another, so another lie on top of that, and. I don't know. I am a, uh, um, I've also acted out uh, sexually in my time. Uh, I have had uh, a few that have been treated uh, STIs. And so I was super paranoid that this, this time uh, was going to be, uh, I was going to come home to my wife and it's like, holy shit, uh, I'm trapped in a lie and I, I can't undo this. Um, so trying to like hide in the background, I don't know, fast forward to me going to the doctor, um, uh, getting a shot for the, it turns out I didn't have uh, one, but, you know, trying to cover my tracks, all that kind of stuff. And it got to the point of thinking like, if she finds out, she's probably going to leave. And if that happens, um, fuck, what do you have left? And if that happens, I don't know, I could see myself, in, in my mind, I was like, fuck, probably just kill yourself. And as an overactive child with an overactive mind, and even till now, I've, I've, I've uh, toyed with like, I eh, probably just kill yourself. The, you know, you, I, I throw it out there like liberally uh, as a kind of joke to semi-mire in my self-pity. But at that time, when I said that there, I, I knew my life was very much out of control and it felt the, the realist it had been. And that was kind of scary too. That compulsion was scary and that closeness to, fuck, I don't want to be here. And who gives a shit anymore anyway? Uh, that was scary. So that and people just telling me like, hey, you got to do something like now um, drove me into the Merit Peralta Institute in Oakland where I stayed for 28 days, 14 days in, 14 days out. Um, um, and that was the, I, again, the toughest thing was to get time. I hadn't had... 28 days coming out of that i felt like it was kind of like a freebie you're coming you're going into rehab and you're you're not you're not really in the lion's den anymore you're not going to work parties but i didn't have that time before i didn't have 28 days before until before maybe i was since maybe i was like 21 
Well, you had to. I played uh, college football, and um, you know you're sober in, in the training leading up to it for a, a lot of time. I hadn't had 28 days in the longest ass time. Right now, I have a uh, thousand and seventy one days of uh, continuous sobriety. My uh, next sober birthday will be, uh, you know, the whole God willing thing um, will be December 14th coming up. I'll have three years at that time. Um, but rehab was the, the, the rehab was like the catalyst for that. And lo and behold, uh, rehab was rehab kicked um, AA, which again, I did not think I was uh, one of you. And in a way I was so miserable that I was like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. And then when it does, and I'm going to do it your way or whatever way they, they fucking say it is. Cause I know how to follow instructions. I know how to be the, you know, playing sports in your background. You know how to beat to a like, um, patriarchal, like just do what they say, uh, drum. Um, so I was kind of cool with that, but at the same time, I was kind of convinced like, all right, you're telling me to do all this stuff. I'm going to do it as hard as I can. Uh, they also said, uh, go about your sobriety like you go about um, your drinking and you'll be XYZ super far. I, f- I forget what they say, but it's like um, it's a program of action. So go about it super aggressively and you will get, you know, all this all this uh, serenity, cash and prizes, uh, that kind of thing. So I wanted to call people out on the, you know, you're bullshitting me. You're telling me these these 12 steps are going to take me somewhere that i've never been before the before the miracle happens like what are you talking about um so i went to so probably day 21 i got my uh sponsor his name was uh, uh john fitzsimmons he told his full name in meetings uh i i wanted what he had uh he was a calm guy he had a kind of voice like brian Cranston from breaking bad uh he died of uh um uh, John Fitzsimmons died of uh, cancer, I think about a year ago. I feel like he was like an AA legend. Um, uh, I wanted what he had. He was calm. He was uh, self-effacing. He, uh, at, at made it, one of the biggest things I wanted was like to, to connect with people. I was miserable. Um, and he had friends. People were coming up to him at, uh, at meetings, shaking his hand, like, like lining up to shake his hand. I'm like, all right. Um, so I started the steps on day 21, 23, something like that. Uh, they told me, uh, uh, just don't drink, um, no matter what. And I started the 90 and 90. I do believe in 90 and 90, 90 meetings in 90 days is important because it gets your, you know, your habit is drinking every goddamn day versus 90 and 90 of, all right, let's go to a meeting every day. Let's potentially be around people every day. Let's share our, our, misery or joy every day um so i did that and the romance gradually slipped away i feel like i don't feel like i've had cravings should i feel like cravings left in that uh in those 90 days um and then lo and behold like the the steps which you know everybody's got a message um my message i guess is work the steps um uh, this one guy, Chuck C, uh, he wrote a book, an AA book. I don't think it's like AA approved, but it's like a new pair of glasses. And it's um, in it, he says, if you work the steps, something happens. If you don't work the steps, nothing happens. Um, I think the steps were my way too. They say it's like a psychic change. I think um, 
the steps were my way to unravel all of it, uh, unravel this fear, unravel this anger, um, look at, uh, be accountable uh, to myself, um, confront my past, uh, confront shame of being who I am, confront shame. I, I still have shame to this day of, man, I feel like I lost years 26 through 36. Uh, I feel like they're fucking flushed down the drain. Uh, I share myself so much for, we live in the Bay Area and it's an expensive ass goddamn place. Um, but AA and the steps um, tell me that, hey, that I'm useful to somebody. Um, and shit, I was one of those desperate people. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, the, the, the steps, uh, uh help that. Um, uh, oddly enough, there started to be some good days. Um, in those steps, I'll say for me, like the juice was in, um, you know, people say like, ah, how do you, how do you live? You know, you do the steps one through 12 and then you live in, uh, 10, 11, 12, or you live in one, two, three. Uh, to me, the juice was in four and five and eight and nine. Uh, and then I try to, I try to just manage uh, through 11, probably. But four and five to me are, are insanely key. I feel like everybody, I've tried to sponsor, uh, I think seven people. I'm 0 for seven, everybody. I'm 0 for seven. Uh, so one guy fired me, which is cool. Uh, I still talk to him uh, and whatever. We help each other forward. That's cool. Um, I've been ghosted five times. Uh, another guy got another sponsor. All good. But I feel like most people stop at four. And four is when you, for me, four is when I first started to understand myself. What are those patterns? What is my part in this thing? I was resentful at a shit ton of people, things, and... But, but at the same time, what can I control? Why am I clinging to this? What is my part in the mix? Um, then it deals with uh, uh, sex. And I was, uh, I still am a little bit messed up about that. Not, not in an acting out way, but in an expectations. And I don't know, maybe it's, Still a little messed up about that, but I'll, hey, I'll say that to my sponsor and on this call. Uh, it helps you work with um, fear. Uh, fear to me is wasn't is the biggest thing. I am afraid of being alone. I am afraid that you will judge me. I am afraid that uh, I am unworthy of uh, good of success. I am afraid of so much. Uh, at the, I'm a big guy. I probably tell over you guys, I'm six, six, I'm uh, two fifty. Uh, I feel like a small child a lot of the time. Um, and all I want to do is connect. And should I say that out loud without shame, knowing that I have connected with you guys, AA has given me that. Um, so four and five, eight and nine, I would say nine more than eight because eight tees you up. Uh, but nine is revelatory. Nine, picking up the phone, calling somebody, hey, I admit that I did this super cruel thing because I am a XYZ and silence. Just giving it to them. What are they going to do? And having them receive you with forgiveness um, is a is an odd thing. Um, it is a 
in those one-off calls to those one-off people that I had that juice of um, history with, I felt a very close connection. Um, uh, it was not what I thought uh, coming into it. Um, 12 is, uh, I mean, uh, of course, 12 is big for me, um, but uh, 11 is huge too. I don't know what I'm doing with prayer. I'm just doing it. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a Christy guy. Uh, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a religiosity kind of guy. Uh, I am a hopeful that me getting down on my knees um, uh, does something uh, to help maybe uh, me getting guided through the day, maybe uh, me being a better person to my family. Um, I do prayer. I'm still, uh, I still kind of don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Uh, meditation to me is a calming thing. Uh, meditation is, I feel like an AA. And hey, shout out to, um, if you haven't tried meditation, it's worth a shot. I got into um, back when... I thought my problem was, oh, I just have anxiety and depression. Uh, I'm not an alcoholic. I just have anxiety and depression. Um, I did two uh, MBSR courses. Uh, you know, I'm a working professional and I have a, a psychiatrist. So mindfulness-based stress reduction. And it's like eight weeks, meet, you meet on like Tuesdays or something. And they basically take you through from meditating for like three minutes to meditating for like an hour. And then you do a half day, but it was my tee up to even now, shit, I still went to rehab. So, you know, it didn't work. It, it didn't fucking clean out my problems, but, um, um, meditation to me is a calming thing. I feel like a lot of AAs knock meditation because they're probably afraid to sit down with those emotions and just let them be because you, uh, my voices in my head and my anger in my head and my shame and my ferocity in my head are big. But I will say that when I sit down and, you know, this, this program is some, sometimes they tell you just don't drink and practice these principles. You're going to be fucking perfect. So when I've been trying lately, I guess, to cultivate, like, how do you want to be a friend to yourself? Um, how do you want to, you know, the whole rule 62 thing of, uh, I take myself way too seriously. And, you know, only us drunks that have been in the goddamn gutter and it just have been woken up in our own piss and puke uh, are the ones to, that need to... Um, just be, be a little lighter on themselves. Like some days, fuck, they say just, just not drinking is enough. You stayed sober today. You know, you got 50 days, you got uh, a thousand days, you know, whatever. Holy shit. Like when, and I'll wrap this up. When shit, I probably about once a year. Um, I hear in the meetings that I go to, that somebody kills themselves. Um, either they can't stop drinking or they're miserable in sobriety. Um, and it's like, I didn't know what the fuck AA was going to be, but AA is all of it. AA is, is take what you want, leave the rest. Um, but AA is also the epitome of life on life's terms. You cannot fucking hide from the anger, the fear, the whatever. At the same time, you have an insane 
uh, a support network of people who do not even know you, but will fucking pick up the phone when you call or text you back and talk about the deepest shit in a way connected way. Um, but death is death is there for us AAs. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I don't know what to say about that, but I'm glad that I have today. Um, I felt miserable. You got to do what you got to do. I think uh, my my sponsor says he lives in steps one, two, three. One, recognize every day. One, recognizing that your power is over X, Y, Z. You know what that person said to you. Um, how you know how you felt on a on a call. Uh, did you embarrass yourself? Whatever your power is over over a lot of shit. Uh, two, um, maybe it's not the way it is. Um, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The way that I am thinking normally is fucking insane. Um, is this right thinking? Is this, you know, me just fucking myself up? I'm probably doing all right. Three, uh, trying to then turn it over to something bigger. And my whole thing with God is, um, my whole thing with God is emerging and I don't know what the hell it's going to be. Um, but lately I've been thinking that God to me is the group of drunks, which I never wanted to, because like, you know, I wanted this glorious, whatever, whatever being, but to me, a, a is kind of that. Holy shit. You instantly pick up the phone and that's my silver bullet is picking up the phone, talking to AA and, sharing on a in on a crazy deep uh level and you feel better afterwards um that's all i got i think i'm at time let me pass it back to laura uh thanks for letting me ramble tonight